to be able to share our flavour palette with you know, an array of customers that come through our doors. We find happiness in seeing like just their facial expression when they take their first bite. I think that's what we love about it, to be able to wow people, not with just visual, but then to eventually take that first bite and they look at us and they're like nodding. Um, that's what keeps us going. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. One of the defining features of Australia's culinary landscape is the hat tilt to one's heritage, delivered in a contemporary context. Food is as much about what's on the plate as it is the stories behind it. And those that tap into the pantry of their ancestors or into the experience of lived help colour and create the world-class food culture down under. But how do you get it right? Tao Nguyen is the co-owner of Eddie and Wolf in Rabina, Queensland. Tao, how are you going? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining us. I'm so excited. You've got a pretty exciting venue up there on the Gold Coast. Um, tiny. It used to be a, a laundromat. Can you tell us a bit about the venue? Um, so it's it's quite small. Um, Pre-COVID, we could sit to a maximum of 24 comfortably. Wow. Um, now with the seating restrictions, we're seating 18 per seating. So, yeah, it's quite small, um, but it's very intimate. It's um, sort of around the kitchen, whereas the main focal point, it's open. You can see the wok. You can see the hibachi. Um, everything happening and the, the chefs plating up on the pass. Um, so people love that. Tell us a bit about uh, Eddie and Wolf and, and how it all started. Uh, Eddie and Wolf, funnily enough, was not even um, thought of. The name itself was not even thought of until we found that venue. Um, before that, we already had something in the works um, originally growing up in hospitality since the 90s, working at our restaurants um, for our parents for like two decades at least. Um, we moved to the Gold Coast and mum opened up a Vietnamese restaurant up here and she's like, um, this will provide for us. She really sheltered us from, you know, the outer world and all we knew was home cooking, maybe Chinese restaurants here and there and uh, that's what we grew up knowing and, we started the restaurant up here with mum um, and it was called Canto Kitchen. Um, Canto being a town in Vietnam that mum was born and myself was born before we left as refugees. So that's where it all started. Uh, then we took over the restaurant after we visited Melbourne for the first time. So in 2002, right through to 2014, we were working at mum's restaurant and um, she was ready to retire and she's like, do you guys want to take it? And I've been wanting to get out of the hospitality industry for a long time, just being in it too long. I wanted an office job. And because um, we have two kids, like we pretty much wanted to get out of it. And then we went to Melbourne for the first time in our lives in 2014. And we're just like, what is going on? Like, how did we not know any of this? just the food scene and just everything. It just like enlightened us so much that we came back and we're like, okay, mom, we're going to give this a crack. We're going to 
we're going to try this ourselves and see what we can do with it. So um, we took over mum's business, uh, renovated it, brought a bit of Melbourne back to the Gold Coast um, and it just took off and it's it's given us the opportunity to open up Eddie and Wolf um, and really hone in on our passions and what we love putting on the table, um, sharing with people what we love eating and how things are supposed to taste. Like if you were to come to my house and we did this, this is how it would taste. And that has been our ethos since we opened up Eddie and Wolf, just letting people taste things that they've never tasted before, not knowing whether they were going to like it or not. That was not a worry because we knew that if it came from us, came from our heart and came from our kitchen table, that there's nothing not to be loved about it. And that's, that's how Eddie and Wolf came about. Can you tell us about a dish or two that um, you have from home that has really starred on the menu at Eddie and Wolf? Two dishes that are um, on the menu still now since we opened um, March 2019 is our char-grilled king prawns um, with burnt garlic butter, shrimp paste and chilli oil. So this one was it's, it's, it's a very pungent shrimp paste um, dish that mum used to make at home and she'd just simply like clean up little school prawns um, and cook it with slithers of pork belly through it and it would just be slow braising in um, shrimp paste for like over an hour. And how we'd eat that is we'd cut cucumber and we'd have fresh mint on the side just to break through the umami that um, that, that dish has. We thought we put on the char grilled king prawns um, with the same flavour but obviously with more meat and it, that was something growing up we always felt was lacking, like eating little school prawns, like mum, where's all the meat? Like we can't just eat pork belly and I think that's our interpretation of the protein that we like and we just made it bigger, um, offering the king prawns with that flavour um, and putting a bit of um, butter in it to stir it with rice so when we offered the rice to be stirred through it was sort of like a garlic rice but with shrimp through it It, it's just amazing and it's been a favorite since day one um, and it still remains on our new menu today take us back to when you were growing up you said you've grew up in in hospitality What, what was it like as a kid growing up in that environment um it was it was pretty hard i think for mum as well, bringing us up on her own. Um, we'd be in the um, the back storeroom in one of those fold-out um, beach chairs and it was pretty much we'd be there straight after school, there until they finished um, and then we'd be carried into our cars and home and it'd be like that, you know, five days of the week that we were at school and then on weekends we'd be there for lunch and dinner. So you can sort of see where, like, growing up through primary school and then through high school, like straight into waitressing. Um, it, it wasn't something that I wanted to do forever. And I seeing my mom and my uncles and how hardworking they were, I think it wasn't something I envisioned for myself and wanting my kids to go through that. Um, but I think that trip to Melbourne, you know, took a turn for me and made me realise um, how deep down we love food and how we love sharing it with others. Can you tell us about um, meals from when you were young? Um, 
living and breathing in a in a restaurant family. Um, what what some of the feasts you sort of had as kids? Um, I remember a lot of traditional Vietnamese food, um, and any child would know, like growing up in a Vietnamese family, like pho, the beef noodle soup was always on the table at least once a week. Um, and, and mum never made us miss out on any of that, even though she doesn't eat beef. Um, she knew that it was such a iconic thing to our culture to, to you know, to bring us up eating file. And then also the pork chops with broken rice, um, with egg and, um, shredded pork skin, um, pickled radish and carrot. That was mum's number one home cooked dish because the the pork that she marinated and to cook it on charcoal, we couldn't even get it at restaurants in Canberra. It was either deep fried or, you know, on the on the pan. And so um, pretty much once a month on a Sunday, the whole family would go over to mum's place and it would be a massive feast. We'd be hovering around the charcoal, you know, fighting over the first piece that was ready. You know, and it was just snacking on it. By the time we finished snacking on it, we really couldn't sit down and eat a whole plate of rice with it. Um, so that was another one. And because mum's half Chinese, so we grew up eating, uh, you know, a good bit of Chinese food, um, home cooked like congee um, with the yao jiao wei is how we'd say it in Vietnamese, um, which is a crispy Chinese donut and it looks like a stick. So she has an array versions of congee that she'd cook, um, duck congee. Then you've got your iconic century egg um, congee as well. Um, yeah, I think those three probably stand out the most for me on our, our, our um, home kitchen table. You mentioned it was a little tough growing up uh, in a restaurant and you spent so much time there as a kid and you didn't want to end up in, a, in the hospitality industry. But what, what's some of the positives and inspirations that you take from that time looking back? Um, I think I've taken a lot of um, mum's resilience going on through hospitality um, to where we are today and just the persistence and um, her passion for cooking good food. Um, I think it's hard to not um, have those traits in hospitality because if if you don't have the resilience, then, you know, you won't, you really don't have anything to, to push you forward, you know, to achieve like your goals and what you want, um, you know, for your guests to experience. Um, I think passion is a big thing for us. It's the biggest thing for us actually that, you know, to be able to share our flavour palette with, you know, an array of customers that come through our doors. Um, some might have already been to Vietnam or, you know, Hong Kong, Japan, Taiwan and all that. And then just to see um, how we interpret home-cooked meals in a fun, interactive way, I think, um, that takes on a, a new adventure for normal diners that would go traditionally into a, a Thai restaurant or a Vietnamese restaurant. I think we find um, all those traits have given us the um, power to elaborate on these dishes by, you know, making them interactive, like teaching them how to eat with their hands and 
um, how to share their food like we do at home, um, sauces uh, sort of poured over the dish in front of customers, just like little things that add detail um, and adventure to to the diners. That's we, we find happiness in seeing like just their facial expression when they take their first bite or when they see, um, say, a sizzling, like a sizzling beef short rib, black pepper steak that we took um, from Night Street Market in Taiwan. That's new to our menu um, recently and we're just plating it up on the on the pass. And from the first one that comes out, everyone else orders after that because just the smell of that dish, you know, and that's um, I think that's what we love about it to be able to wow people not with just visual but then to eventually take that first bite and they look at us and they're like nodding um that's what keeps us going and yeah mum's helped us a lot along the way as well still one of the beautiful things about what you're doing is that hat tilt to some of your heritage and also um, throughout um, southeast asia some influences but uh, you you openly talk about uh with your business, you you want to take people back to where you came from. Um, uh, can you tell us about that? Because it's that that story is not about Vietnam. Um, back to where we came from. Uh, originally, originally we wanted to share a lot of food, you know, which we've already spoken about what, what Mum cooked. But then um, where Eddie and Wolf came from, uh, Eddie Crescent was where the street I grew up on in Canberra um, when me and Vin first met and um, Vin is from Wolf Crescent. Uh, So where we came from, I think the whole story behind mine and Vin's journey into the um, hospitality industry on our own path was our travels through Southeast Asia. Um, and we're remembering, remembering back to, you know, bringing the kids with us this whole time, whether we went to Hong Kong, uh, Taipei, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, Japan. Um, we really wanted to show people, you know, the type of food we love eating, whether it be, I don't know, chicken liver pate, ox tongue, um, stinky tofu we're still yet to try. Um, it's, it's something that is like with Vin, he can eat absolutely everything on this planet. But when we stepped into the, the Taipei night food markets and we smelt the stinky tofu, we're like, oh, this is going to be one of our biggest challenges. Um, bringing those memories of our journey through food back and plating them up at Eddie and Wolf, um, just gives us so much joy, especially after COVID and people not being able to travel to these places and us telling them about it. Um, it's just put it on the list for our diners, you know, to be able to go there um, once they're able to. Um, it It's something that's quite important to us, you know, like to be able to cook these dishes and tell them, yep, this is what we had at... Um, Jalong Alor in Malaysia, you know, the night markets. And there's still things where we're still hesitant to test, um, like, say, durian, like adding that to a dessert. Um, it's it's something on the 
the draw cards, but uh, that's that's where we're trying to push the boundaries. And when people walk past and they're like, "Oh, what what's Eddie and Wolf like? Are you Chinese? Are you Vietnamese? Chinese? What food are you offering?" We're like, "We're offering everything. Like anything we we love eating." Um, but the thing is with our dishes at Eddie and Wolf, if we're going to present a dish that's from Thailand, we're going to honour it entirely um, through flavours, through ingredients and everything like that. We don't so much do Asian fusion um, and that's something we, we strongly believe in and, and moving forward and educating people that have had Asian food out there, modern Asian, pan-Asian. Um, we really want to show people that, Yep, if you're going to eat a Vietnamese dish, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how, um, you know, the ingredients that are in it and the flavours and the sauces is exactly how we eat it at home. Um, that's where we, we love to show diners um, this is how we eat it. Do you know what I mean? Like um, there's there's a lot of confusion still out there when, when we have new diners come in and um, that's where we're excited to share with people you know, that you can't really mix different cuisines together and um, really understand it well if you're not eating it on its own how it is originally. You mentioned about the fact that uh, you have kids and you didn't necessarily want to stay in hospitality um, to have them sort of have the experiences that you had as a child. How have you balanced um, work and life with children and running restaurants? I think um, originally... It was a struggle because we, we were still um, in our little family bubble right up until 2014. So our kids were quite young and, you know, some one of them was in primary school. So we still did pretty much what mum did at the beginning. Um, not that they were staying at the restaurant at all, but um, I was home a good year after each, each child and then we had a babysitter. So same thing, we finished work. Rain, hail or shine through all the seasons, we would come home 10, 30, 11, sometimes midnight even, and we'd pick up the kids, carry them to the car and then into the house. So it that really, um, I think, affected us in a way where I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go back to uni, um, I'm going to get my business degree and I'm going to get an office job. <laughs> um, so I went back in 2009 Um did my business degree. Um, I had a bit of a had a bit of a hurdle because um, mum was diagnosed with cancer back in 2010, so I took a, a semester off. But mum's mum's fine now; she's in remission, and I was so headstrong that I wasn't going to stay in it. That straight after mum was um, back on her feet, I was back at uni, graduated in 2012, and. I just wanted to get out. And so what we, how we've balanced from after I got my degree moving forward was um, we had to think in a way where um, we had to stay home with them more or, you know, we'd take more time off work. and I, th- I guess that's where when mum asked us um, a couple of years later whether we wanted the business, it, it was an easy no for us because we knew that we wanted to be at home with the kids at night, you know, to be there to help them like with homework or, you know, sports activities and things that both of us never got growing up. 
you know, and sometimes like you, you might have heard a few um, Vietnam refugee stories where uh, our parents came over and all they did was work, 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 and that was their way of showing their affection. I'm providing for my kids. I'm giving them the best life that I couldn't get. And um, we have taken on some of that um, from our parents. But having grown grown up in Australia and seeing the Australian way, um, we've been able to balance ourselves better, um, work smarter, not harder. Uh, And that's what we've implemented into both our venues, uh, which has given us um, more time with the kids and given them so much more opportunities than we ever got. You were pretty determined to avoid the hospitality sector, but um, a trip to Melbourne changed your mind. But what was it that you saw and experienced in Melbourne that that lured you back to hospitality? Just everything from from um, the food, like just being able to taste um, different cuisines, the presentation, the representations of dishes that we would normally eat. Um, just blew our mind and the creativity, um, the venues, the the way they were fitted out, the service, the service w- blew us away. Um, just the hospitality that um, they gave us, it, it was just something that, you know, growing up in a family business, I, I guess you wouldn't get to experience that much because you're always working and then home and then back to work again. Um Melbourne was, I think, lucky we went to Melbourne because I, I feel like Melbourne back then was probably the biggest uh, hospitality scene or food scene we could have experienced if if we picked any other state. Um, I think Melbourne was the best pick for us. Um, that's what drew us into it, which is just stuff that we'd never seen ever in our lives before and just diners and how they appreciated, like, trying all these different cuisines it was a massive eye-opening opener and a massive turning point in our lives that's given us you know everything we have today the gold coast perhaps unfairly is is described as a a simply a tourist destination but there's a lot of great restaurants there can you tell us a bit about the evolution of the food scene there and what you love about the restaurant industry on the gold coast uh, the restaurant industry on the Gold Coast uh, has really, really bloomed in the last, um, I'd say, five years and then most recently probably in the last two to three years. Uh, just the different levels, I think it's really um, improved a lot and it's put a mark in Australia, I think, with the Gold Coast food scene where you can come and you've got beach views and then you've got, you know, suburbia, um, fine dining is slowly becoming, you know, more accessible uh, with, like, say, venues like um, Eddie and Wolf, um, our friends Shannon and Tim from North Room, uh, one of our favourite restaurants as well as um, Lupo, another family-run business. It's just doing just amazing um, heartfelt food. coming from really passionate people. I think venues that are popping up also that are offering Asian food, they've really upped their game. Like there's so much flavours. Like when we go out now compared to 10 years ago, the flavours are 
on point. Like there's really talented people out there at the moment that's doing good, good food on the Gold Coast. You've got a pretty small venue um, that can't seat many and, and it's actually restricted even more because of COVID. What's the last year and a half been like for you? What sort of impact has it had on, on you? Uh, so we opened Eddie and Wolf in um, March 2019 um, and it was it was pretty big learning curve for us. Um, yes, we wanted it to be hidden and um, hard to find, but I think it was a bit of a, a difficult beginning for us, um, getting our name out there and, and what all Eddie and Wolf was about. Then um, COVID hit and that was... Uh, I think what we were offering at the time, not a, not a lot of venues were um, offering our type of style of dining or food. So when COVID hit and we had to quickly take on takeaway, uh, which is something Eddie and Wolf food cannot be experienced in a takeaway container. So we had to quickly adapt and um, that's where we went back to um, simple, um, tasty food. And we're talking about bun me, um, just really authentic, um, uh, recipes that we'd taken from my auntie from Kanto, which is a town three hours South of Ho Chi Minh city. She was selling bun me out of a little cart in front of a house for 30 years. So we've, we've, um, asked her for the recipe for her pork terrine, her chicken liver pate, um, and just making real tasty takeaway dishes um, during COVID was what got us through. So what's the plan moving forward? You've got this thriving, um, quite popular uh, venue now that's it's two years old um, and you've got the family to manage as well and uh, you've been sucked back into hospitality. What's the plan for the next couple of years? Um. I think we'd we'd love to grow Eddie and Wolf further. Um, I think it's such a, a special little niche market, and we'd like to share it, you know, further maybe over the border. Whether we we go further north, um, Queensland, or we go further south into a, you know like a little quaint town where it's it's not normally accessible. Um, I don't know Brunswick Heads, Casharina, some somewhere down that way. Um, it's it's on the drawing board, but um, yeah, we'd really like to get Eddie and Wolf a hundred percent, like just back to the maximum seating capacity uh, as soon as possible, and then um, that's definitely something we'd love to share with um, more people. For someone that uh, really tried to not have a career in hospitality, <laughs> you guys have done really well in hospitality. What, what is it that you love about uh, running a restaurant and being part of um, feeding people? Uh, for myself, I love the um, the whole journey from finding the venue and um, and designing it and then picking out the plates, um, picking um, the crockery and all that kind of design side because I, th I think um, deep down that's that's where I wanted to get back into, um, getting into whether it be project managing, um, interior design. That's, that's sort of my um, interest. Uh, Vin, he, he loves cooking so he's just a 
nonstop, always before bed when he wakes up is like talking about food, what he's going to cook. So I think with us together, um, you know, anything's possible. So, yeah. Well, I look forward to uh, hearing of uh, what you do in the future. Uh, congratulations on what you've done so far. We've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Um, please keep in touch and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much, Haka. I enjoyed our conversation and um, sharing our journey with everyone. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPA community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.